Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 23. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 23. We are finishing up in just our last final messages on the life and ministry of David. We are now reached the end of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. We have explored David's life. And now starting in chapter number 21, there are some collection of stories that did not fit within the narrative that God had given within the book of 2 Samuel. And now is going back and putting some highlights on certain things. Tonight, what is happening in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, the highlight is given unto a special group of people who have the distinction in the Bible to be called David's mighty men. If you don't mind, let's pick it up and read about a couple of these guys in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 23. The book of 2 Samuel 23, and notice with me in verse number 8. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men who David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat. Chief <coughs> among all the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. After him was Eleazar the son of Dodo the Oahite. One of the three mighty men of David with David. When they defiled defied the Philistines that were there gathered together <coughs> to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clayed unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where it was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory if you have it of marking things in your Bible would you mark a phrase that is referred to all throughout the book of 2 Samuel but specifically in this context, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and notice the phrase in verse number 8, the mighty men. The mighty men. And with the Lord's help, we want to put an emphasis here on David's mighty men. The mighty men. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and Thank you again for 
us having the privilege of being here and opening up your word. Lord, this is a message that I very much enjoy and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to open up the Bible. But yet I don't dare not trust my own. I don't want to entrust my intellect, my memory, my capacity. I want to depend upon you because I want you to do something special in this message. I don't want it to be a message that just tickles the ear, but in fact it stirs us to action. It stirs us to responding to you that you can use us if we're willing to make a stand. I'm asking that you would encourage someone, that you would strengthen someone, that you'd help someone to make a decision to stand up, stand up for Jesus. Again, fill me with your precious spirit and just use me as an instrument tonight that you would be with my mind, my thoughts, my lips, that you'd be with the word of God and that you would do something powerful and amazing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this passage here, it refers to what is called David's mighty men. These are David's mighty men who distinguish themselves in a very special way. It does remind me of what the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel chapter number 33. Ezekiel 33 in verse... <coughs> or sorry... Uh, 26 and verse 30 where it says this, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, that should stand in the gap before me in the land. In that passage, God said, I'm searching for a man. I'm looking for a person. I'm looking for someone, someone that should make up the hedge. Someone to stand in the gap. Someone. God says, I'm looking for a man, a person someone to distinguish themselves, someone who would be willing to stand. Well, David has a list here of 37 names, 37 mighty men who were willing to stand. It starts in verse number eight, where it talks about Adino and ends all the way up in 39 and ends with Uriah the Hittite. These are 37 Mighty men. Now, I don't want to take time to preach a message with 37 points and to go through each one of these. But I do want to highlight in this list that out of these 37 men who, by the way, were people who distinguished themselves. Think about this. David led troops of hundreds of thousands of people. David led hundreds of thousands of people. But out of those hundreds of thousands, there were 37, just 37 who distinguished themselves in something special. 37 that stood out among the crowd. 37 that made a special stand for their king. A special stand that says, we're going to follow our king. A special 37 that stood up even when others didn't. And out of those 37 here, we see that there are three. There are three that distinguish themselves out of these 37. What you're going to have here is not a message of how to become part of the crowd. That's something you don't need a message for. People automatically blend into a crowd. They automatically try to fit in. But this isn't a crowd uh, message about how to be a crowd. This isn't even a message of how to become part of that 37. This is a message about being the mighty of the mighty men. Imagine that. Being the mighty of the mighty men. And here is listed the top three, the mighty 
out of the mighty men. The three that distinguish themselves. The three that are found. And from these three men, I'd like to show you three principles that need to be found in your life and mine. If we're going to stand for the Lord. If we're going to be mighty for our King. And not just mighty, the mighty of the mighty. And hopefully there's someone in here that has that desire. That says, I don't want to just sit in the sidelines. I don't want to be someone who's just part of the crowd. I want to be someone who's mightily used of God. And not just mightily, I'd love to be the mighty of the mighty. And so with the Lord's help, I'd like to take you here and examine the lives of three men. And from these three men, I'd like to pull a principle from each one of these men's lives about how to be the mighty of the mighty, the mightiest of the mighty. Well, the very first man we run into is in verse number eight. And we run into him. He's Adino the Tacmanite. Adino the Tacmanite. Notice if you don't mind what the Bible says about him. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tacmanite that sat in the seat. The very first thing that we see as the Bible describes this man is that he is known as a Tacmanite. The word Tacmanite carries the idea here that he was a man of a brilliant mind. He was someone that was very sharp. He was someone that if you went into his office, he had the degrees on the walls. He had the education. He had the brilliant mind. He knew how to think. He was known as a Tacmanite. This is, carries the ideal, as I said, as someone who had a brilliant mind, someone who had the degrees. Notice that not only was he a Tacmanite, not only was he someone who had the intellect, but he was also someone that had a position. Notice what it said about him in verse number 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tacmanite that sat. Notice this. The definite article. The seat. This is someone who said sat in the seat. Chief among the captains. This was someone who was a great position. It says he sat in the seat. He was the chief. Among the captains. He was the four star general. He was the chief of staff. He was in charge of all the rest of the generals. He was someone who had the intellect. He was someone that had the position. But the Bible also says something about him. Notice again as it describes him in verse number 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tacmanite. Which again described that this was someone who was very educated. Someone who was very brilliant. He had the degrees on the wall. And he sat in the seat. Chief among the captains. He had the intellect. He had the position. But notice this as it describes him. The same was Adino. Notice this. The Esnite. The Esnite. The word Esnite here carries the idea and it shows in the title that he was a very strong man. He was someone who had the physical strength. So what you have here is someone who has the intellect. Someone who has the position. Someone who has the strength. This is someone who has the total package. He is someone here that looks good, has the degrees on the wall, has the respect, has the positions. But may I tell you here that his intellect is not what made him mighty. His degrees did not make him mighty. His position did not make him the mighty. His physical strength didn't make him the mighty. You know, what's often true inside of a church setting is that those that have the degrees, those that have the position, those that have the talent are often the most useless church members. Because instead of using those talents and education and strength and abilities for the Lord, 
they often sit back and use it to criticize and to say what everyone else is doing wrong. And instead of using those great talents that God had given them, they sit back and criticize and don't do anything for the Lord at all. You take someone who used to serve God and all of a sudden he gets a Bible degree and next thing you know he's too smart to be used of God. Too smart to be used. You give someone a position, give them a title and all of a sudden they feel like because they got a title they don't have to do anything anymore. You have someone with great talent and they worked hard and they have the ability for it but they get recognized and next thing you know they, they're too good to help out with the normal things that need to be done in the Lord's work. Oftentimes it's those people that are the most useless within the Lord's work. So if it wasn't Adino's intellect, it wasn't his degrees, it wasn't his position, it wasn't his strength. What is it that made him mighty? What is it that made him the mightiest of the mighty? <coughs> well, what is it? Well, one day notice what he did. Notice in verse number 8. And these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat. Chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. And he lift up his spear against 800 men. And he slew at one time. You see one day he was used. Not because of his intellect. Not because of his position. Not because of his strength. It was because he took something by faith. And went out and did something for the Lord. The mightiest of the mighties are not those who go through the right schools. It's not the mighties of the mighties are not those that have a title. The mighties of the mighty are not those that sit in the chief's uh, chair. Who are the mighties of the mighties? Here's the principle we get from Adino here. The mighties of the mighty are those who are willing to attempt great things by faith for God. With the little things that they have. The mightiest of the mighties. Are those who are willing to attempt. Great things for God by faith. With the little things that they have. What they say is that there's no more excuses. It's time for me to step out by faith. Believe God. And trust him to do something with me. No more excuses. Just trust God with what you have and step out by faith. No one ever became a mighty man because they gained great knowledge and got an A in a Bible class. No one became a mighty man because they sat with the critics. No one was ever a mighty man because he was promoted into a good work with God. The mightiest of the mighty say no more excuses. With the little excuses, God, with, with the little instruments God has given me, I'm going to step out by faith. Think about one of the great men of the Bible, Moses. Moses was very well educated. He was, grew up in the great colleges. He was grown up in a great position. But yet when God found him, he was in none of those things. He was 80 years old, lived out his life. And God began to explain. To speak to him. And said Moses I got something for you to do. And you know what Moses did? Is he began to give God excuses. He said God. Uh, God, God I, 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 I can't talk. And God says I'll be with your lips. Just need you to go. 
But, but God, I, 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 I'm a nobody. God says, that's fine. I could use a nobody. I just need you to go. Moses said, but, 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 but I, 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 I can't do it. I need some help. And God says, what's that in your hand? And he had his shepherd's staff. And God says, that's all I need. I just, I'll use that. And as you go through the Bible and look at the life of Moses, think about all those times that God used that little staff. When things were going up against the wall. Here's Moses standing before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he said, no, who's your God? And God says, put your staff over the water. And all of that water turned to blood. God used that little instrument. That instrument had no power of its own. But it had a great God behind it. Amen. Later on, they're behind in, in the wilderness. They're entangled in the land. They had the Red Sea to one side. They have Pharaoh's army coming to the other side. The people are saying, we're going to die. And God says, Moses... Put that staff, raise it up, and the water parted. Later on, they're in the midst of the battle, and God had them lift up that staff, and they won the battle. Later on, the people are thirsty, and they're complaining, and they're murmuring, and God had Moses take that staff and strike the rock, and water came out. What's in your hand? Moses was a mighty man at one time with intellect and degrees, with a position, but that is not what made him great. He finally said, no more excuses. I'm going to attempt something for God and let him use what little things I have. God says, what's in your hand? He said, a staff, and God used it. Here's a Dino, the brilliant tactician, Degrees on the wall. Has the intellect. The total package. Has a position. He has the strength. But it wasn't his position. It wasn't his intellect. It wasn't his strength. He picked up a spear. And by faith. God used him to kill 800 at one time. And it was God that got the glory. It was God that got the credit. Because here was a man that said, I'm going to take, give God what little I have, and I'm going to let him use me. We have the principle here found in Odino, the Tacmonite. I'm just going to trust God, step up by faith, and let God use me with what little I have. As we go on, we're introduced to a second mighty man, the mightiest of the mighty, the three on the top of the list, the mighty of the mighty, the ones that, didn't, that stood up above the crowd, but the ones that also stood up above the other 37 that stood for the Lord, the mightiest of the mighty. We're introduced to a second guy, Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number nine. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. And aren't you glad that God could use anyone even if they're the son of a Dodo? That God is able to use you. What we have here is, notice as the Bible describes him, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Notice as it describes him, an Ohohite. An Ohohite was a military people. Now these aren't the West Point type. They're not the officers. They're not the Adenos. 
But they're more the Marines. And praise the Lord for Marines. The Marines that have more guts and glory than that they have brains. But they're willing to go out there. They're willing to tackle it. You go ahead and you go ahead and send the Air Force pilot to go ahead and fight the battles in the air. You can have the submariner out in the middle. But if you want the ground taken, you send in the Marines. And this is a guy, he was military through and through. He had more guts and heart than he had brains. But he was willing to go t- tackle it. He was willing to go. He was willing and just to be used of the Lord. Notice what happens in verse number 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ohiot, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defied the Philistines that were gathered together in battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. Now here's the story. Here's Eleazar. He gathers up a lot of people and says over there in those hills. There's some Philistines and we're going to go get them. We're going to get them. And so he gathers up his troops. And he begins to talk with them. And he gives them a speech that a football coach would be glad to have. And he gets them all pumped up. Gets them all fired up. And he begins to lead them up into the battle. And so they're following him. They go over the hilltops. And then they they look and watch as all the Philistines are surrounding him. He looks at them all. All the Israelites look behind him and count how many few of they had and how many of them they have and they start backing away and falling out and Eleazar he doesn't notice he's going up ahead and he's going and soon he's leading a group of just himself and now he's surrounded by all the Philistines and he's looking at them And you'd almost think that he swallows hard and says, well, this didn't work out. But that's not what the Bible says. Notice what it says in verse number 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Again, this guy had more guts and glory than he had brains. But he was ready to go, this old Marine. And after this was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ohiot. And one of the three mighty men. Notice this. And when they defied the Philistines that were gathered to battle. So Adino looks around. He looks at how all the Israelites, they abandoned him. He looks at all those people, and soon he ain't leading anybody. He's surrounded and outmanned. He's outgunned. He swallows hard, and he's ready to go anyways. But notice as he defied the enemy. He looks at all those Philistines surrounding him, and he says, I got you exactly where I want you. He says, this is what I've been waiting for. And he's ready to go. It reminds me of the old, uh, in the Korean War, there was a regiment that was stuck behind enemy lines. And the radio operator finally <laughs> uh, got a hold of the radio man within the platoon. And finally said, what's your position? Where you're at? What's, your po- what's the status? And the radio operator says, we got the enemies to the north. We got the enemies to the south. We got the enemies to the east. And we got the enemies to the west. And after a brief pause, he says, and guess what? They're not getting away from us this time. This is someone who's willing to trust God, willing to go out, willing to fight. Notice as the battle goes on in verse number 10. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And so here's this old Marine. He sees those Philistines and says, I got you right where I want you. All right, who's first? Come on down. Who's going to have it first? And he begins to fight. And he fights and he fights. And he goes on and goes on until his hand gets weary. And your hand would get weary too if you're carrying a a 20 pound sword around. And slashing it and hacking it at these Philistines. And as these Philistines are fighting him. The Bible says that his hand grew weary. And we can understand that. And the next words that we'd expect to see is that his hands grew weary. And that he dropped his sword. But that's not what it said. Notice what it says. And he arose and smote the Philistines. And until his hand was weary. And his hand clave to the sword. 
Here it says that he grabbed a hold of it. You see, what we have here is a man who got tired. A man who was beaten. A man who was surrounded. A man who was weary. A man that was exhausted. A man that was bloodied. But you also have a man who refused to give up. A man who refused to quit. And so his hand's getting tired. And what he does is he grabs the hold of that sword tighter. And he says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. And it was not until he determined he wasn't going to quit. Notice the next phrase. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. You know when the victory came? The victory came after he was tired. After he was weary. After he's out man. After he's out gun. And he determined he wasn't going to quit. You know it takes very few things to make people quit. You let them be inconvenienced and they want to quit. Things don't turn their way and they want to quit. Sometimes they get tired and they want to quit. Sometimes they get a little bit discouraged and they want to quit. But you understand that when we step up by faith and we want to be used of God, that even when we feel like quitting, we don't quit and we're going to determine. That's when God steps in. That's when He gets the victory. Because you understand it wasn't Eliezer that got the victory that day. It was God that got the victory. Because it It was God that had to deliver them. It was God that had to beat the battle. It was God that had to win the fight. He just had to determine he wasn't going to quit on God. And so what we have here is three of David's mightiest men. The mighty of the mighties. The ones that stood above even the 37. You have the first one here who had determined that he was going to use what little he had. And he was going to step up by faith and be used of God. Stop making excuses. And he was just going to say, God, use me with what I have. The second one is someone who determined that I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how tired I get. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. And that's when God stepped in and got the glory. That's when God stepped in and the battle was won. But we also come to a third man here. And so we start off with Adino the Tacmite. This is the general. This is the general of generals. The one that has the intellect, has the degrees, has the position. He has the strength. He's the total package. But yet he trusts God by faith. The next one you have Eliezer, all blood and guts marine. He's ready to go take that mountain. He's able to go. He has a lot of heart. Not necessarily the brains behind it, but he's ready to go. But now we come to someone who's even opposite of these guys. Notice, if you don't mind, as we come to Shammah, the Horite. Notice with me as we see him in verse number 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. You know, oftentimes, groups love to put people into cookie cutters. They like to say that if you don't wear this type of shoes, you're not right with God. If you don't wear this color shirt, you're not right with God. And they like to try to make everyone look the same. But we're not the same and God uses people differently. That God is able to use anybody who wants to be used. It doesn't matter if it's the spit polished Adino or just the buzz cut marine. But here you got someone that's totally opposite. Notice as it describes him, Shamar, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Herite means this. He was an old mountaineer. He was an old country boy. You know what he was? He was Jed Clampett. This is someone out here. Just minding his own fields, 
minding his own business. Oh, he was, there's old Jed out there. And next thing you know, some Philistines gather together. Notice again in verse 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. Where a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Oh, here it comes. These Philistines came. Over the hill for a pea patch. And old Jed Clampett said, you can't have my pea patch. Everybody else took off and said, why are you fighting? It's just a pea patch. And he says, no, you can't have it. It's my pea patch. And he stood and he defended his ground. And he fought the Philistines over that pea patch. Mine, get off my land. Big fight. You say... But you got to understand, it's just a pea patch. Yeah, it's his pea patch. He's not going to let him go with it. But the pea patch was destroyed, and yes, it was wrecked. After that battle, there was no pea patch. You say, why would he stand for it? Why is this such a big deal? Why, why wouldn't he just let him go? Why have this big fight over a little pea patch? Well, you know... Some people asked the same question of us during World War II. And World War II in the South Pacific, there are tons of islands. And the American troops fought for each and every one of those islands. And some of them, it's not like they're all Honolulu, Hawaii. We understand if the enemy comes or they, they bomb Pearl Harbor, we're going to fight. We understand if they bomb a big city, we're going to fight. They could bomb San Francisco. Well, never mind. But... <coughs> You take some of these little islands out there that is not a big city. You take an island like Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima is just a big rock out in the middle of the Pacific. And yet, troops died, spilt their blood for that little island they could have went around. Why didn't they go around? Why did they fight and spill blood for that little rock? Because it was our rock. And the enemy wanted it. And we're not going to let them have it. That's exactly what happened here. Old Shammah, Jed Clampett, that old mountain country boy. Those Philistines wanted that land. But it was his land. And he wasn't going to let the enemy have it. You know that we have a principle here. Willing to fight for these small things. Willing to fight over these little things. Because it's ours. You understand Satan is so crafty. If Satan was to walk through these doors and come in and said, God's a lie, the Bible's not true, we would all rebel against that. But Satan knows better. And he goes to the back door. And he begins to take little ground. And the people give them up. They give up those standards. They give up those things and say, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. And they give it up bit. By bit, by bit, until the next thing you see, Satan's got a nice stronghold. And he's got all that land because people gave it up. 
You understand we're not a place that it's not little islands anymore. There are preachers giving up the Bible. Christians giving up their position. Christians giving up the faith all the time. And just handing it over to the enemy. Just giving it over. And he's taken a lot of ground. Then people look at small churches like this. That were trying to stand and they said I don't understand. Why is it a big deal that you ask leadership to wear ties on a Wednesday? Because there's a biblical ground here. We're going to fight for it. Because we understand Satan's going to erode for it. Why do you got to use that old fashioned book? Why can't you get an updated book? Because there's a biblical ground here. And we're going to fight for it. Don't you understand? You can get some more people in here if you change your music. Let me tell you. We're going to fight for that ground. We're not going to give in to it. Because Satan wants to take it bit by bit by bit. And he can't have it. The enemy wants it, but it's God's property. And we're not going to let the enemy have it. We're going to fight for it. It may sound small. It may sound petty. It may sound like it's no big deal. But we're going to continue to fight for it because the enemy wants it. But it's ours and we're not going to let him have it. What happened because he stood there and fought over a pea patch? Verse number 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. The Lord wrought a great victory over a pea patch. Over a pea patch. So what you have here in this chapter, out of the hundreds of thousands of troops that David led, 37 That made a special stand. That said we're going to stand for our king. We're going to stand for our king. We're going to stand up for him. He's looking for a man to stand at the hedge. And we're going to make a stand. Even if no one else stands. We're going to stand. And out of these 37. There were three at the very top. That stood up even above those 37. And we see the principles of them. First of all I'm going to stop making excuses. And I'm going to serve the Lord by faith with what little I have. The second one, we see the principle here. That when I get ready to quit, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Doesn't matter how tired, how bloodied, how beat up. I'm not going to quit. I'm just determined. I'm not going to quit. And then the third one. We're not going to let Satan take any ground. We're not going to let the enemy have any ground. It doesn't matter how small or how pathetic the fight seems to be. We're going to take it because the enemy wants it. But it's ours and we're not going to give it to him. And God can write a great victory. God can make it. What needs to be determined is that there's some people that have to decide they're going to stand. They're going to stand. They're not going to be happy just sitting as part of a crowd. They don't want to just be used of God. They want to be mightily used of God. Someone is going to determine that I just want to be used of God. Use me. Use what little thing I have. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to be willing to fight even those little battles. I'm just not going to wait till the big battle when it's too late. I'm going to take those little battles. Because the enemy wants it. And he can't have it. And by faith we're going to stand. And watch God get a great victory. What we're looking for tonight is for someone to be a mighty man. Someone who's willing to be used of God. And say, I may not have much to offer, but what I do have to offer, God can have. 
I'm just not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to let God get the victory. You know, in order for people to stand like that, there's people have to make a decision. I'm going to stand. I'm going to be used of God. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to be part of the crowd. I'm going to stand. Even when it's inconvenient, I'm going to stand. When I'm tired and outnumbered, I'm going to stand. Even when the battle seems small, I'm going to stand. We have here is David's mighty men. And at the top of them, we have the mightiest of the mighty. David's mighty men. Who is it that's going to stand for their king and say, I'm going to be used to my king. I'm going to stand for my king. I'm going to stand in that gap. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.